Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What is good, everybody? Welcome to TGI Football here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we keep going that this show is presented to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer. When you sign up, that is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. My dog, Bear, is a very passionate gambler. Uh, he does his betting only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you very much, Bear. Maybe he'll take the over on Justin Fields' <laughs> rushing yards this week. Uh, my name is RJ Ochoa. His name is Steven Serta. Uh, the one and only Brandon Lee Gotten not with us on the heels of the Philadelphia Eagles Thursday Night Football win. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show. Wherever you get your podcast, you can also watch us on YouTube. Steven, Bear picked the perfect moment to bark. You did call it right before the show started. You were like, he's probably going to bark in two minutes, but let's just get going. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty easy prediction, but uh, I, I'm kind of bummed BLG's not here after that Eagles game last night. I would like to uh, talk to him about what the team sees in Kenneth Gainwell over DeAndre Swift after last night's performance. But it was all in all, it was a very entertaining Thursday night football game. We're about to break down Thursday night football. We also have a very special surprise for the podcast audience here on TGI football. Uh, Amazon Prime, who had the game on Thursday night, uh, one of their analysts, one of their pre and post game show hosts, Ryan Fitzpatrick, will join us. I sat down with him uh, for about 15 minutes, so we'll throw that here in a little bit. Again, that's for the podcast audience uh, only, but we will have the video available on the blog and the boys YouTube channel if anybody wants to watch that. Um, so we'll get to that. We'll get to uh, on the subject of bear predictions, um, our predictions for week two of the NFL season. We have, of course, our DraftKings same game parlay. We have our locks of the week. Brandon is not here, as noted, but he did get his information in. Uh, so we do have his things. He didn't tell us unless he told you who he wanted to apply the zap towards. Um, I think it'd be kind of awkward for you and I to hand out the zap just between the two of us. But I suppose that is possible. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, let's get to Thursday night football. You mentioned it. A 34 to 28 win for the Eagles. They get to 2 and 0 on the season. Uh, the Vikings, of course, fall to 0 and 2. Stephen, they are 0 and 2 in one possession games after going 11 and 0 in games of such kind a year ago. Although there was kind of a, um, I mean, it was a backdoor cover. Uh, literally, the Vikings did cover that seven and a half point line, but they got themselves to that one score game line with that last touchdown. Um, I. I don't know. I want to hear your takeaways first, whether you were impressed with the Eagles or, you know, not impressed with the Vikings. What what were your thoughts um, after the first Thursday night game of the year? First Thursday night football game of the year, because last week was Sunday night football. I, I mean, I think similar last season, you really called your shot with the Colts and just absolutely nailed it. Um, through two weeks, I'm feeling pretty strong about how I felt about the Vikings coming into this season. Uh Obviously, they're an explosive offense and they can put up points in a hurry. Justin Jefferson just looks like he is absolutely unstoppable. Like it doesn't matter 
who is trying to cover him. He's going to wind up with 10 catches and over 100 yards because he's just that good and unguardable right now. But they just didn't improve enough over the offseason for a team that won so many one-score games last season to make me think that they can do that again this season because that's just not something that is sustainable. And through two weeks, they've gotten as close to sustaining that as you possibly can, I think. like They're an exciting, fun passing attack to watch, but they just don't have enough defensively to win games like that, especially not when they're turning the football over and they're turning the football over like crazy through the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, it was the first, uh, or excuse me, the most turnovers through the first like five quarters that the team has had in like five years or something like that. Um, and the Eagles kind of left the door open for them and they just kind of couldn't capitalize. I mean, you know, they had the special teams turnover. They had the fumble right after. And then Kirk Cousins got hit and fumbled at the beginning of the second half. Like um, that explosive offense isn't enough. I mean, if you, you, you can't survive that, like no offense can. Um, and the numbers do look, I guess, respectable. Um, Kirk Cousins, 31 of 44. 364 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he did have the fumble. Alexander Madison only had 28 yards. Um, Justin Jefferson, you mentioned it, 11 catches, 159 yards. We did see the worst rule in football. Now, um, Rob Stats Guerrero was a part of the show last year. He is fine with the rule, and so is Brandon. What are your thoughts on the fumbling into the end? So I, I mean, I, I hope you agree with me and, and the rest of the world. That it's, <laughs> it's horrible, and it's dumb, and it's stupid. I didn't realize that they think that's a fine rule because it's not. It's stupid. It's an idiotic rule. It doesn't make any sense. And it's just for a player like Justin Jefferson, like the difficulty level that he had to go through to make that catch and it gets fumbled. And for it to be such a game changing play like that, because that wound up being the difference in the game. Right. um, That was a 10 point swing. In a six-point yeah. game, right? Yeah, that's that's incredibly frustrating, and, and it's stupid. I don't understand. For all the rules that they seem to change every season that don't improve the game in any way and generally make it worse, I don't understand how that rule is not up for review every single year. Um, Rich Eisen um, constantly says, I'm sure he'll say, we're uh, recording, streaming this at 10.30 in the morning Central Time on Friday, and I think his show starts at 11. Uh, so I'm sure he'll say this again, but I've heard him say many, many, many times, and he's the you know face of the NFL Network, uh, that it's that someday this will happen in the Super Bowl, and it will decide the Super Bowl, and the world will flip upside down. Um, again, it, it's dumb. This happened at the end of the first half, so it was kind of dramatic. But, I mean, do you remember when this happened between the Cowboys and the then Oakland Raiders six years ago? I don't know. I don't it know. was a Sunday night game, and I was there, which is – and plus it was the Cowboys, which is I remember. But it was literally the final moments of the game. Um, Derek Carr, you know, tried to score and reached out. Like, that was the difference here. It wasn't like Justin Jefferson was reaching towards the, the pylon. Like, it just happened to be fumbled, like, from, like, the whatever it was two-yard line. But yeah. in that, like – I would encourage you to go YouTube the Derek Carr moment because it was as dramatic as it could possibly be. And like, if that were to happen, like I'm fine. If you want to penalize the offense, if you want to send them all the way back to their own 20, even or 25, like, I think that's kind of dumb, but man alive for them to lose the ball is so stupid. Yeah. It's brutal. And especially like, cause after the game, I know Justin Jefferson was like, that's on me. Like I can't allow that to happen. And it's just, it, it sucks for a player as special as him to have that be the thing that like people remember about his performance in this game, because you know, he's getting pretty much shadowed by Darius Slay all night, who is a great cornerback, but the Eagles had a bunch of injuries in their secondary last night too. And Justin Jefferson is just so special that it doesn't matter that he's getting shadow coverage from one of the best cornerbacks in football. And 
but that's the thing that is going to wind up being remembered from this game and it is unbelievably stupid so on the eagle side of things they're two and oh they have a, a long bit of rest because they play on monday night football next week uh they play the buccaneers who have also beaten the vikings this season um so two and oh and i mean at the end of the day that's what matters the most but this was kind of a troubling or concerning performance for the Eagles. I mean, not from, from my standpoint, but um, the offense really struggled. They had the, the the few kind of big plays, obviously the big Devontae Smith touchdown, but even that first big Devontae Smith catch at the beginning of the game was kind of an underthrown ball. It felt like the Eagles were obsessed with running Jalen Hurts early on in this game. Uh, Jalen Hurts had some turnovers. He's obviously got multiple turnovers now, which was something he didn't do really at all last year, so um, we're seeing some regression in that sense. We had the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown uh, scuffle, if you want to call it that, on the sidelines that Nick Sirianni had to get in the middle of. Um, it does feel like there's a little bit of trouble in paradise for the Eagles, even though they're 2-0. and Yeah, and they weren't particularly impressive in week one against the New England Patriots, but I think... Right. I think after that performance against the Patriots and then last night after the ridiculous fourth quarter first quarter where everybody's just turning the ball over and fumbling and nobody can hang on to it, like just a really sloppy first quarter of the football game. And after that, they settled in and they were like, "Okay, I know we got a new offensive coordinator, but we just have to do what was successful for us last season. And so. They just started running the football and their offensive line was actually having some problems against the Vikings defensive line early in that game. And so they were just like, OK, we're going to revert to what we know works and we're just going to run the ball and challenge you to stop us because we know that's what our offensive line is great at. And that's what they need to do more. Um, and obviously, DeAndre Swift went nuts and, and had oh, an man. awesome game and. <laughs> Makes you question why Kenneth Gainwell was the number one running back coming out of training camp. And maybe he still is. I don't know. Personally, I would think that 175 yards and a score on Thursday night football would show you that DeAndre Swift probably deserves more touches than Kenneth Gainwell. I think he's the more talented player. And you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out in Detroit. He had the injury issues. And then just they just kind of stopped using him at the end of last season. And then... This weird situation coming into this year with Kenneth Gangwell getting a look ahead of him. Uh, maybe it's because he's more familiar with the offense, but he's obviously the the superior player. Um, I'm not too worried about the Eagles. Like the defensive questions, I I think we've highlighted on this show, and those were there last night. Uh, you know, of course, you have to include the injuries in the secondary, but their secondary was kind of questionable in general last season and coming into this season, it's the defensive line is where they're going to win on that side of the ball. And I still feel pretty strongly that the Eagles are one of the absolute best teams in the NFL, but they have looked rough a, a couple of times here early in the season, but I, I think they'll settle down and figure all that stuff out. Bit, I, don't, Bear I don't, is I, very passionate about this. Well, we're, we're making it through Friday morning. You mentioned the AJ Brown stuff and he did have a long touchdown that was called back because of a penalty last night. And that's a bummer. It's through two weeks. He hasn't put up like these monster AJ Brown performances, whereas like Devonte Smith has looked really good. And I, I think last night was just kind of frustration because AJ Brown's like, I want to make plays like this Viking secondary is trash and I know I can burn them. And Devonte Smith had already done it earlier in the game. He's like, where's my touchdown? Like I, I want to burn this secondary too. And I think he was just kind of frustrated with the amount of times they were running the ball, but it got to a point where Minnesota just absolutely could not do anything to stop the Eagles from running the football and DeAndre Swift just absolutely gashing them. So 
I don't blame the Eagles for that, but I also understand where AJ Brown's coming from. I mean, Jalen Hurst didn't actually throw the football very much last night. Like after that first quarter, they were like, we're just going to run it down their throats. And that's a good recipe for the Eagles to win football games. So I understand where he's coming from, but that's kind of the Eagles MO and they're going to have some games like that where they just challenge you to stop them from rushing the football. And if you can't, they're just going to do it all night long. It's wild to me that Devonte Smith had the 63 yard reception. Um, so Jalen hurts through for 193 yards. So take away 63. That's 130, right? That's, that was one reception, one pass for Jalen hurts. So if we just take away that one, I mean, it's an incredible one. So not trying to say it doesn't count, but, Outside of that, Jalen Hurts was 17 of 22 for 130 yards. It was just a really limited night in the air. Um, and you're right. Like, it made all the sense in the world for Philly to kind of lean into the run. Um, I don't know that I buy into, like, there's drama in Philly with the A.J. Brown thing. Uh, but it's interesting. And that was a take I had all throughout the offseason on the NFC's mixtape was that, like, the rise of Devontae Smith was coming. Like, from, you know, he, he's going to command more targets because he said, not, not that A.J. Brown is not a special player, but that Devontae is just evolving. And he's obviously, you know, a different type of player. And so it just makes sense to take the lowest hanging fruit. And so that's what Jalen Hurts did. And the Vikings, man, man, I, I bailed on them this week uh, on the mixtape. So, like, I'm just disappointed. I think they look great and they look fine in some respects, but, like, you can't fall down. Like, you're, you're just feeding the meme at this point. You're, like, living up to what everyone says you are. It's really disappointing. Well, and on the Minnesota side, they just straight up can't run the football at all. So like every week, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to throw 45 times a game and that works in in most cases. And the Vikings are going to be able to score on virtually any defense in the NFL. But if you turn the football over and are playing from behind constantly, like I know they won all those games like that. You just can't live like that in the National Football League. It's just not going to last. And so if they stop turning the football over, I don't think they're going to be able to run the football all season. Like I'm just not an Alexander Madison believer and they don't really have any depth behind them. Like just a bunch of unproven guys that have done nothing in the NFL. So they're going to have to throw every single week and that's where they can put up points. But if you turn the football over and you're playing from behind after every first quarter, like that's just going to fall flat on its face eventually. Um, I think Kirk is, is still underrated and he had the fumble, but the like early turnovers, he had nothing to do with, you know what I mean? Like the hole they got buried in was not really his fault directly. Uh, But I remain more convinced than ever, I am more convinced than ever, that he's going to be playing elsewhere next year. Like, I mean, the Vikings seem they're, – they're almost, like, excited to start their rebuild. You know what I mean? Like, you can kind of see it. Yeah. Like, And I don't know that I'm convinced that Justin Jefferson is going to re-sign with them. Like, how do we know Justin Jefferson isn't the, like, big, massive Tyreek Hill trade of the offseason to get a brand-new contract elsewhere with a quarterback who he feels like can properly get him the ball if Kirk is indeed elsewhere himself? Like, why would Justin Jefferson want to stick around for a rebuild in 2024? And seeing some of these star wide receivers that are that just can't produce because of their quarterback situations. Like if I'm Justin Jefferson, unless the Vikings somehow work their way into the number one overall pick and get Caleb Williams. I know next year is a good quarterback draft class outside of Caleb Williams, but he is like generational player. Um, Like then I wouldn't feel very confident uh, about Minnesota letting Kirk walk and then trying to figure it out from there. Like this is a team that drafted Kellen Mond a couple of years ago. It was like, ah, maybe he could be something. And then Kellen Mond just like can't even stay on an NFL team now. Um, Okay. That concludes Thursday night football. At least the Vikings covered. Um, I did take them in a, in a pool that I'm in to cover. So good job me. Um, 
for now, the podcast audience, we're going to send you the conversation that I had with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Steven, you'll be delighted to know that uh, Ryan is pushing a partnership that he has with Jameson. Uh, so it's very interesting. So podcast audience, enjoy our conversation with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very pleased now to be joined here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the legendary, the incomparably handsome, internationally famous. He went to Harvard, if you did not know. It is the one and only Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here at SB Nation. What a nice intro. Thank you, RJ. Um, I'm curious, at what point did the Harvard thing or did you become aware that it was a thing? Like that it was in the pantheon of Antonio Gates played basketball in college. Yeah, it was right away. It was the only <laughs> thing anybody knew about me, right? I think I was a really late draft pick, so I got thrown into a couple games early, and everybody was scrambling to figure it out. And, oh, that's that's the one thing that pops up. And so that's what I became known as for a long time. Um, and as my career went on, I think it waned a little bit, but uh, obviously something that's always still there, but not a bad thing to be called, the Harvard guy. Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, it, there are worse schools, I guess, <laughs> to be associated with. Um, but you, you mentioned as your career went on, I have so many questions, and I've always wanted to speak to you. Um, I, I feel like sometimes when professional athletes, not just in the NFL, um, develop or, or become famous, that we, we latch onto these nicknames. And we act like they probably were never called that in their life ever before. Were you ever called Fitz Magic before the end? Because I, ha- I have, you're, you're shaking your head. No, that's was, impossible no. for me to believe. Yeah, I never was. That uh, it really it caught it caught on a little bit in Buffalo towards the end. I, my it, originally Amish rifle was a little right. more popular in Buffalo, uh, and then the beginning of the 2011 season is kind of the origin story of Fitzmagic, I think, uh, you know, dabbled in a couple different places. And then really once the Tampa stuff happened with the Deshaun Jackson outfit and the post-game presser, um, that's really when it took off. Yeah, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, who you just saw, um, obviously picked up a lot of fame last year for the shirtless chain thing. Like, you kind of did that first. Uh, you know, what I mean? like, that that became like an international sensation. I know you had a quite the moment um, after the, the Buccaneers time with Deshaun, but um, you and Kirk, kind of um, a common denominator in that sense. What did you make of Thursday night? Obviously, you were there with Prime. Uh, great return for Thursday night football. Kind of a sneaky, fun game, despite some weird, sluggish starts. What were your overall takeaways? Yeah, it was a slow start to the game. You know, Philly's offense was actually getting booed uh, <laughs> early on in that game. So um, I was impressed with the way they adapted. Brian Johnson, first-time play caller here for Philly, they were given looks where they just need to continue to run the football, hand it off, hand it off. Sometimes as a coordinator, that's a hard thing to do because you've got all these great pass plays in. And he's got a great quarterback and receivers and a great tight end, but – they adjusted during the game, and they it was ground and pound a lot of the time. They hit a couple deep shots to Devontae Smith, as we all saw. But I was also really impressed with Kirk Cousins. I mean, he hung in there. You know, he was getting beat up early. Uh, they had a couple guys out. Their center was out. They ended up losing and going to their third string uh, left tackle during the game. But he really hung in there and played well. So ended up being a great game. Uh, but the atmosphere in Philly, uh, we weren't able to get there last year. Strangely enough for me, I played Philly seven times in my career, and I never played in that stadium other than in preseason, uh, which is just kind of a weird quirk. But uh, so that was the first time I'd been in a regular season game in Philadelphia. 
That is very cool. If I'm ever at some sort of uh, pub trivia, um, you know, I think yeah. you helped me out. Uh, but, there you go. Um, it's been really cool. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. I'm I'm a bit more of a Kirk defender than the average person. Um, and the the initial turnovers weren't his fault. I know he had the sack fumble in the second half, but I mean, dude just got buried early. Uh, but what has the prime experience been like for you? Uh, you're still somewhat fresh out of the NFL. Um, and it's this new thing, new technology. I mean, um, and it's not just the standard prime broadcast, but everybody's all into the next gen stats version and things like that. Um, you get to travel every week and I would imagine you get your weekends kind of normally because it is Thursday night. Like I have to imagine it's just a cool kind of second career for you. It really is. It was a nice transition last year to be able to do it. And I think you hit it on the head, being able to travel every week and to be able to go to these cities and to be able to feel the energy of the stadiums. And really, as players, you're so insulated and you're going to the hotel and you're focused and there's only a few things, um, you know, meetings. Maybe you'll meet up with somebody for a dinner, but you're there for the football game and that's it. Uh, And with this, you do, you get to breathe the city in a little bit. You get to meet up with people. There's a little less time uh, where you're truly all your focus is on the game you get to kind of do some other things and experience the city and gain a different perspective of what the city's all about and the fans. So that's been a really fun part for us as we've traveled from city to city to be able to feel that. You guys have a great group chemistry. It's a lot of fun. Um, Thursday night is a different vibe as an NFL fan, especially as you get deeper into the season. And so, you know, you you got something to crock pot, right? You still got to get the kids up for school the next day and stuff. And so you want to hang out with some friends. And I've always enjoyed that. And so you guys are doing really well. Um, I mentioned pub trivia a little while ago. Um, I got to be honest with you, Ryan, because I, I would never lie to you. Um, I'm not a big frequenter in pub trivia, but I imagine you are um, particularly overseas, uh, maybe with your new partnership with Jameson. Can you tell us uh, all about this? Because this is one of the more interesting things that I've ever run across. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I was able to play overseas you know when I was a player and now this idea got brought to me and I think it's a great one so Jameson and I are unofficially calling for a pro football game in Dublin Ireland we think it's time everybody's looking at different spots around the world where we can play football and we just think what a great spot to do it great history history tradition and I think they like the last name Fitzpatrick uh, to team up with that as well yeah, um, there's a great ad that's associated with this. You do some, um, I don't even want to call it acting because they're, well, I mean, it do, certainly, but um, there's some like breaking of the fourth wall. Um, it's a, a, a more unique um, ad, again, in terms of ones I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and it involves some, obviously, uh, people in the Dublin area. It's very cool. And so um, we'll throw the link to the ad in our, our YouTube version of this show uh, or this interview, excuse me. But um, yeah, I mean, so is that like if you could move anywhere in the world, would would you want it to be Dublin, I guess, after this? Uh, yeah, I, I love Dublin. I think my wife, I don't know that she would be too happy with that, you know, with the seven kids and finally at this point in our life having a little bit of stability sure. being in the same place for more than one year but uh yeah dublin ireland such a great place i always think about it, you have to be and your wife has to be just like the best mover in the world like the best like packer of things and you probably have like this routine of like okay we, this is this is what has to happen first etc cetera, etc cetera. um if a pro football game in dublin is announced by september 13th 2024 jameson is going to celebrate in a big way by offering select fans 21 and over who join the huddle uh a flight to dublin to celebrate the momentous occasion so i imagine you'll be there as well presuming this does happen i mean again we're seeing games in germany and mexico and obviously 
London. So why not Dublin at this point? Yeah, but we've, we've got to get on it, too, because we've right. got to get this thing going uh, before the start of the season next year. So hopefully people catch the wave and get it going. That's what we're pushing uh, here for you, Ryan, here at SB Nation. So I mentioned the ad. You're wearing a green jersey, uh, which you have at one point in your career before uh, your tenure with the New York Jets. Uh, if it isn't audio, uh, obvious to you, I cover the Dallas Cowboys here at SB Nation. Um, <laughs> I got that, yeah. And, and, yeah, and so um, obviously, uh, you know, interesting game for Dallas and New York. You were actually – uh, the last Jets quarterback to win at AT&T Stadium. Did you know that? Uh, the starting quarterback in that game was Kellen Moore, probably, right? Well, but I'm saying you were the last Jets quarterback to win. You yeah, guys yeah. Won. I'm just trying to think of who that who was in that game for the Cowboys. I think it was Kellen Moore. It actually it was, was not. Uh, if we're being technical, Matt Castle started Matt the Castle, game. Matt Castle, he got benched and Kellen Moore came in, yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about the Cowboys, but something happened in that game that I've never seen that maybe you have. Matt Castle was called for intentional grounding while throwing an interception. Um, again, I've never seen that before, but um, has, I hope that's never happened to you. It hasn't to my knowledge, but have, have you ever seen that in a, any football game at any level? Well, uh, apparently I was in that game, but I don't, I did not, I was probably celebrating the interception. I don't, I don't remember that call, but that is, uh, that's hard to do. Yes. That was, um, that was a rough time to be a Cowboys fan because Tony Romo was injured, but it was, you guys were a cool story. And obviously Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, um, it was just really cool. We were, I, I was rooting for you guys kind of on the side. Um, this year's Cowboys team, you guys talked about them on the pregame show on Thursday night. Um, obviously looked great last week against the other New York team. And again, they don't get the opportunity to play Aaron Rodgers, obviously, this week. What are your thoughts on Dallas overall as we sit here after one week of NFL play? Well, I think on the panel, we're all really excited about their defense. It's going to be a very dominating defense. You know, I think one of the stories that didn't get told enough this offseason was Steph Gilmore uh, coming over. Just the veteran presence, the way he's going to be able to help. Uh, Diggs and the other DBs and just that defense in general. I mean, he's a guy that was obviously the defensive player of the year. He's got great skill. He's kind of towards the tail end of his career, but just that veteran presence and being opposite Diggs, he's going to add a lot to that defense. Uh, as we saw against the Giants, uh, the pressure from the front four is insane. That makes the DB's job a lot easier. So that defense is going to be dominant. I think some of the questions are going to be about the offense. Offensive line, can we stay healthy uh, with the receivers? Uh, everybody's really excited about Brandon Cooks being in. I know he's got some lingering maybe issues that he's dealing with right now with his back or whatever it is. I'm excited for Gallup just being another year removed from injuries, hoping that he can return to form. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I've always been a Dak lover. Uh, I know he also gets a lot of grief in the media. We're talking about Kirk. Dak's kind of in that same category where if he makes one mistake, everybody jumps all over him. But he's got great leadership, and I, I think they have a really good shot this year. I mean, obviously the class of the NFC right now, if you ordered it, it's probably Philly, San Fran, and Dallas. And then you don't know who's after that. But those three right there are uh, – those three teams can beat anybody in the AFC. I think that's really well said. Uh, you guys will be in Dallas the Thursday after Thanksgiving um, on Amazon Prime when the Cowboys host the Seattle Seahawks. I know you didn't make it out to Dallas last year. Dallas does that generally. Um, they go Thanksgiving to Thursday night. It's pretty kind of tradition for them at this point. Um, who do you think is that fourth team right now in the NFC? Because uh, that's a really you know, great take by you, but a really common take. Like, who's who's the lurking team? I think a lot of people thought it could be Seattle, but last week kind of spooked some people. Yeah, in you know, the amazing thing about that game last week was it was it was in Seattle, too. Right. Right. And so even Minnesota, who had 13 wins last year, they lost at home to Tampa. 
it's a, it's okay. You can excuse the loss to Philly, but at home in the opener mm-hmm. to Tampa, all of a sudden that has you scratching your head too. So I don't know. I mean, you know, NFC South, who's going to come out of that? Atlanta looks a lot better this year. Um, maybe New Orleans, you know, but uh, it, it gets difficult when you start playing that game of who the next one's going to be. I think Detroit and what they showed week one, against Kansas City right now right now they're that team everybody Detroit didn't have a great game yet they still beat Kansas City so I really am looking forward to watching them a little bit more to see how that goes but I think right now they're probably in the running to be that fourth team in the NFC yeah they have a chance to snatch it directly from Seattle this week uh last one for you Ryan um we talked about the Jets obviously facing the Cowboys this week and the Jets have been talked about a lot this week but um everybody's like so quick to connect them to you know quarterbacks who are in free agency or who have retired or trade candidates, whatever, as somebody who has retired from the NFL and you talked about like, you've got stability. And and I think everyone can put them, not put themselves in your shoes, but understand how that would be something your family appreciates after everything you've been through throughout the course of your career. How hard would that be? I mean, for you personally, if, if a team did call you, like how hard would it be to tear you away from a life that you've, you know, established after leaving the NFL behind? Yeah. I think everybody's different with that. For me, I'm 100% content with the way my career went, with everything I put into it, and 100% content just being retired, getting to be a dad, getting to you know, watch the games on Sunday now with my kids, all that is really fun for me. So definitely depends on the person, but uh, I'm enjoying life right now. That's awesome. You do fantasy or anything with your kids now? I don't, but they have lots of leagues. My oldest son, because we lived in so many places, is in nine leagues, so... <laughs> Um, we think we're going to put it on his college applications because it's a really impressive uh, management skill with all those nine rosters. I bet Harvard would appreciate it to take things full circle here. <laughs> I um, hope so. Ryan Fitzpatrick, everybody uh, check out JamisonSports.com uh, for the Jameson touchdown, a whole promotion. Let's get a game in Dublin. Uh, if so, you can do the Guinness Challenge with people. I think that would be really cool uh, to see you do in Dublin. Uh, awesome. Ryan Fitzpatrick, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck this season on Prime. Uh, we enjoy watching. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, RJ. One, two, three. Pick one. On three. Pick three, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Welcome back. Ryan Fitzpatrick's awesome. Um, Steven, one of the things I asked him was when the Harvard thing became a thing that he was aware of. Um, Because I would put that up there with the, like, the Pantheon. And I told him this, the Pantheon of, like, Antonio Gates played basketball in college. And he was like, oh, it happened, like, right away. (laughs) It was like, that was, like, the only thing anybody could say about me that was interesting. Um, which is kind of cool. Like, that's a cool thing to have said about you, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense because when he came in the NFL and was all of a sudden a starter and nobody was really expecting that, it's like, this guy's from Hartford. What's he doing out here? He's got no business being an NFL starter and worked out. He was a fun quarterback to watch for a long time. He was, and now he's doing the Amazon Prime thing, so he's bouncing from city to city. Um, so good for him. Uh, thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick and thanks to Jameson for the time. Okay, Steven. So we are going to preview all of the games in week two. Uh, but first we are going to do our pick three segment, which is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, last week, Steven, uh, we do this every week. We pick Sunday Night Football. Um, and only you hit. Uh, you had CeeDee Lamb over 69 and a half receiving yards. 
Uh, so we were one of three there in the history of this show. We have yet to hit a same game parlay, <laughs> but this is the week that that changes. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are visiting the New England Patriots on Sunday night football. So we have put together another same game parlay. As mentioned, uh, the absent Brandon has uh, sent one in for us. But Stephen, you got it right last week. So what is the leg that you were taking? So I think everybody's going to be really hot on Miami and they should. Obviously, they were awesome last week offensively and their offense just looks insanely explosive. And I think they're going to put up points a lot this season. But I'm still skeptical going against this Patriots team and just the matchups that Bill Belichick can provide uh, defensively, especially against a division rival. Um, And Miami, for everything that they did well last week, they got absolutely gashed on the ground by the Chargers. And I I think we're going to see a lot of Ramondre Stevenson this week from the Patriots. And it was kind of weird for New England last week. Like they threw the ball way more than anybody I think could have anticipated. But I like Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's the most talented running back, despite the fact that they have Ezekiel Elliott on that roster. And this is a great matchup for Ramondre to get back into uh, a positive situation for fantasy owners and, and for himself and to produce. So I took Ramondre Stevenson, 60 plus alternate rushing yards at plus 140. I think this is a great matchup for him. Yeah, I think that's smart. Um, You mentioned it. The Chargers had all sorts of success on the ground. It stands to reason that that would happen um, against the Dolphins again. It stands to reason that Bill Belichick is going to kind of want to move the ball. The Patriots offense was, you know, kind of cute last week. I know that Mac Jones was the one kind of airing it out, but um, this is a solid, safe kind of place to stop for you. Um, I'm going to lean into what we saw from Miami. Um, Tyreek Hill, what was his, like, guarantee? He was, like, 2,000 yards, whatever. Like, uh, got off to a pretty solid start last week. Um, and so I couldn't believe that this was that low. Uh, Tyree kill 80 or more alternate receiving guards at minus 140. I just I don't see a way that Tyreek doesn't get his kind of on a weekly basis. Uh, Tyree kill is one of the more safe bets to me um, in, in terms of prop bets or anything like that when it comes to the NFL. Um, we're still early in the season. I know we have our questions about longevity when it comes to the Dolphins, but right now I'm going to take Tyree Kill and I'm going to feel really good about it. So Tyree Kill, uh, 80 plus alternate receiving yards at minus 140. Uh, I mentioned that Brandon did get a uh, a leg in. His is also at minus 140, and we're kind of lined up. So if Tyree Kill has a deep bomb of a touchdown, it'll help Brandon out. He is taking Steven Tuatunga Vailoa at two plus passing touchdowns at minus 140, uh, which also feels safe, but it's also kind of scary because this is a Bill Belichick defense and it kind of feels like um, I'm I obviously like my leg and you're the one who got it right last week. This feels the the least stable to me, the one that BLG picked. Yeah. And I, I think some of that is just the Patriots defense and just, it doesn't seem like, cause right now on paper, the Patriots secondary looks like it's super suspect and like, you're like, they should be able to find these matchups and Tyree kill traditionally, has really burned Bill Belichick and had a lot of success against him because he's just an impossible player to cover, even when their secondary is healthy. Um, But it's still a division matchup. And I feel like Belichick just always kind of figures these things out, at least on the defensive side of the ball, especially against teams that he knows this well and that he sees every single season. So it's a big game for Tua. And I I think Tua is kind of trying to go on like this rampage right now to to silence all the doubters. And, you know, in his press conference this week, he's like, well, I don't know. I threw, what about 466, like 466 yards. What's that say about my deep ball? And it's like, yeah, well, Tua, I, I still see you leave that thing short quite a bit. <laughs> but Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are really special players. But 
I, I do think the two plus touchdowns is a little scary. Yeah, I'm. I wasn't a believer in the Dolphins as a whole coming into this season. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers injury really opens the door for them. Um, if I could re-pick uh, division winners, because I did pick the Jets to win the AFC East, if I kind of kind of a mulligan right now, I'd take the Dolphins over the Bills. Um, my uh, my lack of belief in Buffalo as well. No, that's a different subject. Our same game parlay, once again, at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you take all three, plus 525. Steven, what does that mean if I bet $10? Um, I don't know. I'm bad at math. I'm not the odds guy on this. Okay. It means you win a lot. That's basically what we'll kind of leave it at. Uh, so, but for now, Steven is the only person who's gotten a, a leg right um, at this point in the season. So hopefully this is the week. We're going to do it, Steven. We can't like, we said we couldn't get skunked last year and we did. Um, so we've got to make amends uh, early and often here in 2022. Let's get to um, week two though. Um, let's start with the team that you cover on a daily basis, Steven, the Kansas city chiefs, Chris Jones, back in the fold, Travis Kelsey, I guess, back in the fold in the news for lots of other reasons. Obviously this week, uh, the chiefs are laying three and a half points on the road at Jacksonville this week as they look to avoid starting. Oh, and two. Yeah. Uh, this is obviously a really big game. Um, yeah, Jacksonville's one and oh chiefs are Oh, and one, uh, they certainly don't want to start the season. Oh, and two though. I think, especially looking ahead for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I think their next four games after this are pretty favorable, especially considering the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. The fifth one is, too. It's the Chargers. Um, they own the Chargers. Let's, yeah. You can, you can those, are always, those are always close, weird games between the Chargers, though. Um, but I, I think this is a statement game for Jacksonville, and I, I think Jacksonville, obviously, Calvin Ridley looked great last week. Travis Etienne looked great last week, but it's going against the Colts, who are an inferior team to the Kansas city chiefs and the chiefs didn't have Travis Kelsey in week one. Seems like he's going to go in week two. Chris Jones might be on a snap count because he missed all everything, every single workout you could possibly miss and including uh, week one. Um, so he's going to have a ramp up period, but the Jack's offensive line is kind of questionable. So I'm curious to see if Chris Jones finds some success now that he's on a one-year deal that is loaded with incentives to try to get some extra money. He's, I think he's really got to push for that extra money because he cost himself a lot of money with this holdout. So I, I like the Chiefs in this game. I, everybody's billing it as kind of a statement revenge game for Jacksonville because the Chiefs beat them twice last season. But I, I'm still not totally sold on Jacksonville, even though I think they're an ascending football team. So you locked up the Jaguars last week, you you know, but now you're not totally sold on them. That's interesting. Um, they did kind of play with their food a little bit last week when it came to their win against the Colts, and they could have lost that game, honestly. I, it, early on, I thought they were going to, actually. Um, I'm with you. It's weird how the Chiefs seem like the more desperate team. Um, not that they are desperate, but it, it feels like you know, desperate to kind of stabilize things. It's been a long, long week and a half since losing the season opener. Um, and I know that Chiefs fans can be a little bit fickle and a little bit impatient. So um, they're anxious to kind of get to 500 because if they lose, um, it was weird, obviously, last week with them and Cincinnati and Buffalo all losing. All of a sudden, the Jaguars are 2-0 and and have that tiebreaker over you. And you've got a lot of work to do just to potentially get that coveted one seed, which has been so valuable, obviously, with all the AFC Championship games at Arrowhead. Yeah, and Jacksonville's in a bad division. Like they're in a much worse division than the Kansas City Chiefs. So that AFC tiebreaker could wind up being huge at the end of the season. Um, but I, I just think the Chiefs, like, yeah, there is some desperation because you just always assume that Patrick Mahomes is going to make everything better and you don't have to worry about him. But I, I think we really underestimated the amount of growth that they need to see from these wide receivers to be successful this season. Now, Travis Kelsey is going to make everything easier. 
Um, assuming he is fully healthy and good to go this week. I'm really hoping he is because he's found a lot of success against Jacksonville over the last couple of years when they've played. But when Travis Kelsey isn't on the field, like we saw it in week one, Mahomes just doesn't really trust a lot of these guys right now. And like Marquez Valdez Scantling is maybe his most trusted wide receiver. And we know exactly who MVS is. Like MVS is just a veteran wide receiver who can make some plays here and there, but generally is pretty inconsistent. Like he's not a guy that's going to all of a sudden have like a 1300 yard season or something like that. Like he's a middling veteran wide receiver and they need some of these young guys to hit. I'd like to see more Rasheed Rice. I'd like to see more of Justin Ross. Uh, Sky Moore is really letting me down. And I don't know that I'm confident Kadarius Tony is like a full-time wide receiver or if he's just kind of a gadget player for the Chiefs at this point. Like they have a lot of questions that they need to answer and they need to see some development from this wide receiver room over the course of the season. That's the biggest thing that scares me, but I still think the Chiefs offensively match up pretty well with the Jaguars defensively. I think that's well said. I also can't see Patrick Mahomes kind of letting them. I hate to be Pete, like Mr. Refuse to lose, whatever, but like, <laughs> um, I, I do kind of see like a, just a, a willing, like a dragging towards the goal line if it takes that. Uh, let's pick it. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win and to cover. Uh, it kind of sounds like you're leaning in that direction as well. Uh, I am. I'm going to take the Chiefs and the points. Uh, I think they can, I think they can close this game out by at least like a touchdown. OK, uh, let's go to Buffalo, who is making their home debut this season. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, the only undefeated team in the building um, this Sunday. Uh, the Bills are laying eight points at home despite a really poor offensive showing on Monday night. Um, I've said this several times uh, throughout the week on different things I've done. I don't know if you know, Stephen, but Cowboys fans kind of hate josh allen and has nothing to do with with josh uh but but it's just like the the lack of heat that he catches relative um to what dak prescott catches I, again i think you're, you kind of understand the point um and it did feel like this week the um the machine the like national machine kind of caught up a little bit like josh allen was kind of in the crosshairs this week this does feel like a, a really big opportunity or big moment that could it, it could be big if it went the wrong way for the bills if they fell to zero and two if the offense was lackluster i think it could become a really tense sort of situation for them especially given all the josh allen stefan Diggs stuff that we've seen over the course of the last months so right now my preseason bills prediction is looking really good through one week uh hours hours yes. i've hated on them for months so also hours. our 49ers prediction appears to have blown up in our face all yeah. so we'll <laughs> right. get to that uh, later out of the show uh, right but so far i i think what we need to see from josh allen this season and like i'm not arguing that he's not a special player he is a special player who has had a lot of success over the last several years. And he's the reason that the bills are an AFC contender every year, but you kind of need to see him take that next level because he's always going to be aggressive. He's always going to turn the football over, but at, I just haven't seen growth from him. Like after a couple of years ago, we saw that huge step from him where he took that huge leap where, you know, all of his, his completion and accuracy, like all shot through the roof and he went nuts and it was like, okay, that's a legitimate superstar quarterback. Now, I think the last couple of seasons, you can make the case he's just kind of floundered in that same area. Like he hasn't really gone to another level and they don't have a pass catcher outside of Stefan Diggs who can easily win matchups and who you can easily rely on to make plays. 
And we've talked about that a lot in the off season. Like the bills have not drafted particularly well. Like they, they hope that Dalton Kincaid, I guess, is their number two pass catcher, like a rookie tight end. That's not the greatest situation to be in. And I, I am willing to chalk up week one to that Jets defense is really, really good. And, and I offense think- was down across the league as a whole too. Yeah, and and I, I think the Jets defense and the Cowboys defense are the two best in football, in my personal opinion. And and he struggled against them last season and looked really bad against them last season. So I'm willing to bet that that's just kind of what happened here. Like this Raiders defense is not that. So I'm taking Buffalo. It's a lot of points, but I think they are going to just dominate the Raiders despite the Raiders like reasonable performance in week one. I think this is a big bounce back game for Buffalo, even though. Long term, I'm not really optimistic about them this season. Did you see Dominic Foxworth's analogy that he had on Mina Kimes' podcast this week? It was really good about uh, Josh Allen. Did you see it? No. He um, he said that he, I, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing and manipulating it a little bit, um, but he said that Josh Allen is effectively Superman, um, which is awesome. Um, and sometimes you have to like fly in and like fight the aliens or whatever. But sometimes like you got to help the old lady cross the street, or sometimes you have to get like the kitten out of the tree. And, like, Josh Allen can't do that without, like, causing casualties. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just, like, sometimes, dude, you you don't have to, like, it's not even the turnovers, which were really bad and really poor on the night. It's like, dude, why are you, like, trying to hurdle people, like, at every moment? Like, it's like the guy thinks he's in a movie. Um, and you don't have to be. Like, it's week one. Like, even if you'd won that game, like, you, you are the franchise. Like, why are you putting yourself, like, at risk like this? Um, so... But beyond just that, which is a big thing in and of itself, that was my biggest criticism of the Bills. I said that they were effectively the Cowboys of, of, of the AFC in terms of like what they needed to do over the offseason. And what did we see Dallas do? They didn't have enough explosive playmakers. They went and got Brandon Cooks. They drafted Deuce Vaughn. They've established a role for Cavante Turpin. Obviously, they also added Stephon Gilmore on the defensive side of things. You're you're right. Like, that's also what I said. Like, okay, so Dalton Kincaid, like that's that's it. Like, oh, because he he lines up in the slot, he's He's a receiver. Like, no, like you need, like I I have said this and I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. Nobody has gotten more out of a loss than Josh got from that divisional loss in Kansas city. And like, everyone keeps thinking, Oh, well, well, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis had an amazing game that they lost. He is not a proper running mate for Stefan Diggs in the offense. We have more than enough evidence to know this, like that they're, I'm afraid that their offense has a really low ceiling. And we're going to see that over the course of the next few weeks, I'll take them to win, but I'm not laying the points. I'll take the Raiders to cover. It it is worth mentioning that Jacoby Myers, who had a great week one is doubtful for this game and concussion protocol. So the Raiders are already going to be shorthanded. And I think they're just the less talented team in general. Yeah. I know we didn't really talk about them that much. Um, they might be. The, I don't have much for Jimmy. Yeah, they might be the. Fine. They might be the least impressive team that won last week, but you know, whatever. I digress. Um, okay, so by the way, we will tweet out a graphic um, with all of our picks. Those uh, are our straight up picks, not our against the spread. Like I said, I'm taking the Raiders to cover, uh, but uh, but the Bills to win. Uh, and if they don't win, it would truly be hilarious. But anyway, uh, Stephen, the Seahawks are coming off of a loss that none of us expected uh, and visiting. Uh, Ford Field, which Dan Campbell said he expects to be louder than Arrowhead. I'm sure that did not upset Chiefs fans at all. The Lions are laying five points in their home opener and have, you know, had 10 days to kind of come off of a a win that impressed the world. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm still not in whatever, but I'm I'm definitely a little bit out on Seattle. Like it does kind of feel like the clock hit midnight a little bit or maybe it's like 1157. 
and the like we're seeing the metamorphosis like the pumpkin is is kind of returning here um which is a bummer because i really would have loved to have seen this offense wake up but i i'm going to back off until they prove a little bit more to me i'm going to take the lions and i'm going to lay the points i am also taking the lions um and, you know, in, in the preseason, when we we're talking about the NFC team, Seattle was getting a lot of love specifically because of their offense. And, you know, if you had faith in Geno Smith uh, keeping this thing going based off of what he did last season. But after their week one performance, their offensive line is falling apart. <laughs> like it, it's you can't really feel good about their offensive line right now in the protection because it wasn't particularly good in week one. And last season, their young offensive linemen like, looked good early in the season and kind of seemed to hit a wall and it, it really kind of got worse as the season went on and their defense just isn't particularly good. Like they just don't have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball. So I think this is an easy win for Detroit. And I know Detroit's offense like underwhelmed a little bit in week one. I think they're going to put up points and easily win this football game because I just don't have faith in the Seahawks offensive line and the protection that they're going to be able to provide for Geno Smith right now. Um, I think Jameer Gibbs, Dan Campbell has made some jokes this week, but like Jameer Gibbs needs to get more touches. Like Jameer Gibbs looked like he was one of the most explosive playmakers on that Lions offense. And they only gave him a handful of touches against the Chiefs. Like this could be a, a big Jameer Gibbs blow up game and Amon Ra is good. And I just think that Detroit Lions pass rush is just going to be all over the Seahawks offensive line. I, I don't feel good about Seattle <laughs> moving forward right now. It would be such a bummer for the Seahawks to be 0-2 because I, I I can't remember if you did, but I picked them to win the NFC West. Again, talk about like Niners, you know, predictions just blowing up in my face. But um, just kind of sad, kind of just a huge bummer when it comes to the Seahawks. But good for the Lions. Anyway, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are coming off of a season opening loss as well. Uh, this is one of the 0-1 matchups, uh, and they're visiting the Tennessee Titans who lost the worst football game that anybody ever had to watch um, last week in New Orleans. Um I'm just going to say it, Stephen, and get it out of the way. The Chargers are three-point favorites. This is my lock of the week. Um, I'm locking up the Chargers, if that isn't obvious. Um, I just don't believe in the Titans' offense at all. And I know that the Chargers lost last week. I think they're kind of frauds in a little bit, and I've been feeling this way for a while. That's why I'm, I'm part of the kingdom. Uh, but I certainly trust them to cut. This this feels really fake to me. Like, they're only getting three points. Like, why should we believe that the Titans' offense can at all go shot for shot with them? Like, this this feels like free money. Because the Titans do this every season and there's no easy wins against Tennessee. Uh, their defensive line is is great. Like Tennessee's defensive line is, is awesome. And they were fantastic in week one uh, getting pressure. But I still think the Chargers win and I'll, I'll take them with the points. But Austin Eckler is super questionable for this game. Joey Bosa is already banged up. Like it, it's just rinse and repeat for the Chargers. Like, expectations through the roof in the offseason. Justin Herbert's going to be an MVP candidate, and they're finally going to get over the hump against the Chiefs. And then week one, it's like, oh, you got absolutely torched by the Miami Dolphins and lost a one-possession game, like typical Chargers. And I'm, I'm going to take them in this game because I, I agree with you that Tennessee offensively just doesn't have it. Like, there's just not enough talent on that side of the ball. But I still think it's going to be close and I need to see the chargers like actually prove it. Like the whole Kellen Moore thing. Like, can, can we, can we talk about that? Like, cause I was expecting like even more out of this chargers offense in week one. And they just ran the ball a ton as opposed to airing it out with Justin Herbert. So the Kellen Moore thing, I, there, I, I will tell you, there's not a Cowboys fan out there. That's like, 
oh man, what a loser. He sucks, blah, blah, blah. Um, but so Mike McCarthy had a comment in the offseason. I don't know if you remember, um, where he said that he's been where Kellen is at, like at his stage of his career, um, where you just want to light up the scoreboard. And McCarthy was like, I'm interested in in other things. And everybody dragged McCarthy for that. Like, oh, what an imbecile. Like, you know, this guy doesn't want to score a million points. Like, what a stupid mentality and stupid approach. But like watching the way the Cowboys called their win against the Giants last week, like it was kind of obvious that McCarthy was kind of more about like understanding the rhythm of the game and the pace of the game. And I think that that is like, that was kind of on display with what the chargers did last week. Like it was just about like, it's like drinking out of a fire hose and it's like, you have to play overall balanced team football. And that might be working against the chargers. Like it might lead to a lot of points, but if you play an offense that can score a lot as well, like, you know, you, you have to have that balance. It sounds like lame football cliche, but um, he, he might just be like living at one end of the spectrum. And I don't think that you can sustain things that way. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I still like the chargers. They did nothing in week one to make me think that they're any different from the team that we saw last season. Really? Yeah. I think that that's fair. Um, if they fall to zero and two, it'd be super interesting because they play the Vikings next week. And then it would be this matchup of like, okay, who's going to be the true fraud loser next or this season. But um, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens who will be in Cincinnati this week. The Bengals coming off that really dreadful week one loss to the Browns. They're getting three and a half points here against a Ravens team that uh, while Todd Monken's offense featured three wide receivers, like for the first time ever uh, in the Lamar Jackson era for a lot of the game, um, they still, I mean, it, it felt like pulling teeth. It felt like a, like a dance where like they, they were stepping on each other's feet. Like maybe some of that is just, they need time to kind of develop and find their proper rhythm. But, uh, Baltimore seemed a little bit off. I, I have struggled with this game because I don't want to bet against Joe Burrow, but the Bengals looked so bad last week. This is a really interesting game. And I, I mean, I think I'm going to take the Ravens and the points in this one just because of how bad Cincinnati looked last week. Like Joe Burrow just did not look right. And it's pretty obvious that he's not hundred percent healthy right now. Um, and that passing attack couldn't have been worse. Plus I think Joe, what Joe Burrow have like 82 passing yards right. in week one, like T Higgins had like eight targets and zero catches. Like it was just really, really bad. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you on the Ravens. The Ravens kind of looked similar to the Chiefs in week one where new offensive coordinator running a new scheme. Uh, Lamar just isn't a running quarterback anymore, I guess. Um, right. He's more of a pocket passer now, and we'll see how that continues to develop. Uh, I think you got to find a way to marry the two and, and try to make it work. But there was some sloppy moments from the Ravens as they're trying to figure out this new offensive scheme and how to operate everything. And you know, Zay Flowers looks great, but he's a rookie wide receiver who's going to be up and down here and there. But I, I think overall, um, I, I have a little bit more faith in the Ravens right now, just as a top to bottom team than Cincinnati based off of that week one performance. Because if this is the Joe Burrow that we're going to get for a month, like since he may actually be in trouble, because I don't think they can overcome those things if Joe Burrow isn't out there playing like an elite quarterback. 
I'm going to take the Bengals. I, I agree with everything you you've said, but like this is kind of my approach to a lot of things right now. Is I'm I'm ready. I'm willing to be proven wrong. So I'm, I'm kind of willing to believe in the Bengals until they, you know, we have like a larger sample size. Um, like in a lot of ways, for a lot of teams and a lot of players, I'm willing to kind of throw Week One, you know, out as this, you know, it's Week One, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's fair. Like I do think the way we talked about um, how like the national machine kind of woke up and and went after Josh Allen this week. If if the Bengals perform poorly and if they lose and if Joe Burrow has a, a poor outing, like he might be next. You know what I mean? Like because he's got the big contract, like he's an easy target. And the Bengals are are never really the subject of discourse. Like you know, like they're generally only the subject of praise. I mean, and obvious for obvious reasons because they've been so great recently. But um, this would be tough. And if if they were to drop this game, they'd be zero and two, which they were last year. But they'd be zero and two within the division. They'd obviously already be down to the Ravens and the Browns, who were probably their top two challengers because. We were all wrong on the Steelers last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like the Bengals kind of need it more. Um, but the Ravens, to your point, like, I don't want to say that they played with fire last week. But, if you know, Lamar had this moment last week where he's just running so carelessly with the ball. And, like, if that, those things happen against a better team than the Texans, they might have lost. Um, so I'm very interested to see, like, who kind of proves themselves a little bit more in this game. I'm just willing to, to give, you know, the benefit of the doubt to the Bengals a little bit more. So, whatever. Yeah, I, I see it. Um, it's just, man, they were so bad offensively in week one. It was so, so bad. Um, it's, But they're obviously, they're a more talented team than what they showcased last week. The Green Bay Packers are being given a point and a half in Atlanta. I looked at this five times because I did not believe it to be real. Um, of the non-obvious things that happened in week one, like my biggest kind of takeaway or impression was like, hey, I may have underestimated or overlooked the Green Bay Packers. Um, I might be willing to believe in them as NFC North contenders once again. I don't know that I'm ready to like fully buy in on Jordan Love, but last week was really impressive. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely, again, I don't know how I feel about the whole like return of the run game, blah, blah, but like the Packers run game looks great. Their defense looks impressive. I know it was the Bears, and so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because they own them, but why are they one and a half point underdogs against the Falcons, Stephen? I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's because, you know, Christian Watson's questionable. Aaron Jones is questionable. He's also banged up this week. Um, Romeo Dobbs went, went up playing last week, but he was super questionable going into the game. And, and they're just a young team that I think everybody is still kind of trying to figure out. And it was an impressive performance in week one, but like, I think what I took away from week one is that Matt LaFleur is a good coach and he's getting a lot out of his young players and trying to put them in a situation to succeed. Um, I am not optimistic about the Falcons and what they showcased in week one. So I, I mean, I'll, I'll take the Packers here and the points because I, I'm just, I, I think the Packers are, are better coached. And despite the fact that they're a really young team with a lot of young and experienced players, I just think that their coaching staff is putting them in positions to win right now. And they looked really good last week doing that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit jaded on the Packers coaching staff because it feels like they've been given credit. Um, it's been like, well, you can't just say everything that happened was Aaron Rodgers, and that benefit wasn't applied to Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah. And so, and I'm certainly not here to dump on Aaron Rodgers this week, but it, it I think has become is becoming more apparent than ever that Aaron has had really great coaching or had really great coaching in his time in Green Bay between both Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur like I I didn't really buy into Matt LaFleur but and again it's one week but like 
it was impressive. And while the Falcons look nice and B. John had the awesome touchdown, like if you can't involve Kyle Pitts and Drake London on a consistent basis, like I'm I'm sorry. Like I can't take you seriously. I, I don't know what I think their ceiling is or their future is. Like, I don't know if I think Arthur Smith is in trouble. The, I used to he find this out. I, I don't know. Like we're, you know, like maybe, maybe you agree. Like the Falcons were always kind of like an interesting team. Like they, they were never like a center stage Tiffany brand team, but they were always interesting. Like the Falcons have really regressed to a state of boredom that I think is, is new for that franchise. Well, and it makes sense that Arthur Smith is like this because you know he comes over from Tennessee and, it's kind of it's kind of the same philosophy like we're just gonna run the football and we're gonna play these tough gritty hard to watch right. football games and try to win that way but like if i'm the atlanta falcons organization i'm looking at what arthur smith is doing and i'm looking at what other championship caliber teams are doing i'm like yeah tennessee hasn't won anything like yeah. obviously we're not gonna win anything <laughs> how many offensive picks do we have to put on this offense for you to just ignore, like, because that is absolutely insane. Like the amount of draft capital that they put into Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan. And I know Tyler Algier is, is a good player, a, a fifth round running back, but like, these are all top 10 picks. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing here? Like those, are, those are the guys you have to get involved. And Arthur Smith thinks it's all cute and like coy to be like, no, that's just, you know, they'll get their opportunities when they get their opportunities. Like, no, if I'm the Falcons front office, I'm like, what, what's the point? What, what's the point if you're just going to ignore them and not even try to get them involved in the offense? Like Drake London seems like a talented player. I don't know if Drake London's a superstar or anything. I think Kyle Pitts has shown enough to be like, well, if Kyle Pitts was getting a Travis Kelsey work workload, he could be a superstar, but they don't even care to get him the ball. It, it's infuriating to watch. I didn't realize that this was going to trigger you so, so badly. Oh, it's also, it's uh, fantasy. Like I've got, I've got Atlanta Falcons all over. I, the place, I won't touch so them for this reason. Like I, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for you, but like I won't touch them on principle. Um, we should mention this is BLG's lock of the week. He's taking the Packers. Both you and he hit last week. We talked about you hit on the Jaguars. He locked up the Cowboys. That was easy. Um, I missed because I took the Vikings and foolishly believed. So I'm the only one who doesn't have a dub there. Uh, this season. Speaking of things I believed in, Stephen, the Chicago Bears are two and a half point dogs against the Buccaneers. Uh, like I, I sort of abandoned ship with the Vikings. This is such a bummer, dude. And and you believe in Justin Fields along with me, maybe not to the same degree. I believe in Justin Fields. I really love Matt Eberflus. My dog is named Bear. Like I want this to work so badly. But you mentioned this when talking about the Chargers. If any team looked the exact same way they looked at the end of last season in week one, it was the Bears. I can't I can't, I can't, I can't. But that being said, I'm going to pick them because it, it just has to work. Like, it, it, it can't. Like, how can you trade for DJ Moore and all this stuff and, like, it not work? It has to. And I don't buy into the Buccaneers that much. I think the Bucs are kind of feeling themselves after that week one win. Um, so I think they're kind of ripe for a big-time loss. But I will say this is the pick that I'm the least confident in this week. I'm zapping myself on this game. <laughs> um, I am picking the Bucks because I think their defense was impressive in week one, and that's how disappointing the Bears were. Wow. Um, I'm glad we can self-zap. Um, let's move on. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, kind of in a perplexing way as well, um, are one-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against the Texans. I have recognized that I kind of – so I'm a Houston Astros fan, so I have this, like, soft spot for the Texans, you know what I mean? Like, it would be cool if they were good. I've recognized that I've allowed that to cloud my judgment too much. And so why are the Texans one and a half point favorites against the Colts? I know the Colts kind of got in their own way last week a little bit, but they kind of hung 
with the Jaguars, and you can make an argument that they should have won that game. Anthony Richardson looks really good. I mean, Michael Pittman looked fine. I don't know about Deion Jackson. This looks like a team that if Jonathan Taylor comes back and doesn't hate them, like could be kind of, you know, in the mix and fun and spunky. So that's what I'm saying. Like, why are the Texans favored? This is actually my lock of the week, and I am taking the Colts to beat the Texans. Um, I, I, I guess it's just a home field thing with two young teams and not really knowing what to expect after week one from both of these squads. And CJ Stroud had some nice moments in week one, too. I just... I think that when you look at what the Colts did and what the Texans did, like the Texans obviously have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL and just talent wise, I just think they're farther away from being competitive than the Colts are. And I think the Colts are still a long way from being super competitive, but Anthony Richardson looked really, really promising in week one. Like, obviously we knew he was going to be able to run. We know he's uh, physically just an insane athlete, but what was impressive was how much they were actually letting him throw the ball and trusting him to do that and work within the offense in week one. And I just think right now, like the Colts just look like they're probably the better football team and the Texans are going to go through a lot of growing pains with CJ Stroud this year and D'Amico Ryan's as they kind of figure out who they are with all of these young players. I just, I have more faith in the Colts than that, than that uh, game line suggests. I agree with you. Um, it's a good lock. Um, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't make sense. That's really all I kind of have to offer. Um, I'm not backing on the Colts, but I'm at least at the point with them where I'm willing to recognize that they're an NFL franchise. Um, so that's a bit of a promotion uh, for me. Um, let's move on. The San Francisco 49ers are visiting the LA Rams this week, Stephen. Um, we talked about it, so no self-zap here. The Niners are seven and a half point favorites. We were wrong. All right, clean sweep across the board last week. We all took the Steelers. It was really embarrassing. Um, the scariest part to me about the Niners and the way they played in week one was it wasn't just the defense was dominant. It was that the offense didn't skip a beat. That Christian McCaffrey looked great. The, the Brock Purdy phenomenon kept on going. Like they just, they really are inevitable. They, if anyone is Thanos, it is them. Yeah. And I think part of my thoughts on them going into week one was kind of like, I think I was underestimating Brock Purdy a little bit and, you know, like what he did last season was amazing, but I was like, you know, coming off the injury, like, is he really going to be that guy again and, and be able to just move this offense? And at the end of the day, they just have so much talent everywhere. Like I totally agree with you. They're inevitable. If it's not, Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle, then it's Debo Samuel. And, and it's just unstoppable and their offensive line's great. The defense looked absolutely dominant. And yeah, the Rams were a fun story in week one. Uh, they looked great. Uh, had a big blowout win over Seattle, but I am taking San Francisco. I'm taking the points in this game. I think the 49ers after that week one performance are just going to absolutely demolish the Rams. I'm with you. I'm taking the Niners. I'm laying the points. Um, you know, you've talked about fantasy a lot. Week one on the waiver wire can like win or lose a season for somebody, right? Like, because you know, that's your chance to kind of grab the last potential superstar of the year. Like, I think, yeah, I remember um, in 2011, a guy in my league grabbed Cam Newton because it was like impressive after week one. And that was just like, it was over after that. Um, I think there might be some Puka Nakua regret. You know what I mean? Like as as the season rolls along, like all the people who spent like big like you know big parts of their budget or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm just I mean again like might work out for a little bit, but like that just doesn't seem like something that's going to be stable all season long. 
he also missed Thursday's practice with right. a week injury. So that's not great. Um, you could have done what I did. And in my dynasty leagues, I've got Puka Nakua on every single one of my dynasty rosters. Cause I think long-term he sure. really does have some upside and he is a really talented player. Like we saw in week one, but yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna diminish when Cooper cup comes back because Cooper cup is this offense, but Cooper cup plays so much from the slot and Puka's more of an outside guy. Like, to see him dominate the target totals when they have veterans like Van Jefferson, like it says a lot about what they think about Puka. So I think he still has value even when Cooper Cup comes back. But if he doesn't play this week, there's going to be some regret. I also don't think you should start him this week because the 49ers are that good. And so if he winds up, if he does play and has two catches for 17 yards, like I told you, like just don't play him against the 49ers. The New York Giants were the only team to not score a point in week one, Stephen, They will look to fix that on the road this week against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this is dangerous territory for the Giants. They are four-point favorites, by the way, against a Cardinals team that kept it close against the Commanders because uh, we just sat here and, you know, atoned um, like Cersei uh, for our lack of belief in the Niners. Well, the Giants have a very quick turnaround on the West Coast. They will visit San Francisco on Thursday Night Football next week. So, this is kind of, I wouldn't say a trap game, but like it's kind of easy to overlook, to be worried about the Niners, whatever, and the Giants look so bad. Um, I'm going to take the Giants, but I really don't feel confident about it, although I feel less confident in the Bears, like I said. But yeah, like I'll take them and lay the points, but man, it's it's a really scary sort of feeling, I think, if you're a Giants fan right now. So I haven't seen an update on Darren Waller's status for this game, but it, it's not great when he says... Yeah, it's the same hamstring that put me on IR last season. And it's not really more of a, a muscle thing. It's a nerve thing. Um, can't imagine that that's easy to fix in the middle of an NFL season. So I am super questionable about him, but I'm going to take the Giants confidently in this game because I think the Cardinals are that bad. And I know they hung with the commanders last week. But to me, that just says that was a game between two bad football teams who are more evenly matched with the lack of talent that they have overall. I, I just have faith in Brian Dable and Daniel Jones is going to be boomer bust like this. Like this is who he's been his entire career. He's not an elite quarterback, but in the right situations with the right play caller, he can have some big weeks. And I think this is going to be a big week for him in that offense that they're going to bounce back. They're, they're not going to go scoreless two weeks in a row. I'm pretty confidently taking the Giants, even if Darren Waller's not in this game. I'm Again, I'm, I don't think it's inconceivable to pick them to win, but to be confident and to say that the offense is going to bounce back, that's, you know, it's, it's a bold. Sa- you're a little... Saquon, Saquon's going to have a nice day. Okay, Stephen. Uh, let's go to, uh, to those Cowboys, the New York Jets visiting them. Um, this line opened at Dallas uh, being favored by three, three and a half, depending where you look. Then it grew to seven and a half. Obviously, after the Aaron Rodgers injury, uh, that grew a little bit more. It's now a nine and a half. Uh, the Cowboys have not started off two and oh, Steven, since 2019. They actually started off three and oh before losing three in a row. That third one uh, was against the returning from mono Sam Darnold. New York Jets. Uh, so Cowboys haven't beaten the Jets in a while, actually. And the aforementioned Ryan Fitzpatrick was actually the quarterback of the Jets last time they visited Dallas, and the Jets won that game. Um, but it's hard to imagine, I think, the Cowboys losing this game. It's just – it's been a, a week for the Jets. I don't know how they can kind of make it through this. But, I mean, crazy things obviously happen in the NFL. I think the Cowboys could get another shutout in this game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I know they're really hard to come by in the NFL. Um, but I, I, the most devastating thing about the Aaron Rodgers injury for the jets is like, 
we didn't even get a glimpse of what it was going to look like. Right. Uh, like, you know, you can't ever plan for that kind of stuff. And, and it sucks because I think this, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. Like, I think these are the two best defenses in the NFL. Um, and with Aaron Rodgers, I would have to believe that this would have been a, a huge matchup. And this would have been like, you know, two, two highly uh, competitive teams that are contenders. And I, I just think after the Cowboys week one performance, and this was part of why I was down on the 49ers, just in the NFC in general, like I thought the Eagles and the Cowboys were the two most talented teams in football coming into this season, specifically because of that Cowboys defense. And they lived up to it in every way in week one. Like they, they could not have had a better performance against the Giants in week one. So I'm going to take the Cowboys. It's a lot of points, but I'm easily taking the points because I just think they're going to absolutely demolish Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to lay the points. We talked about, um, I can't remember. I think I took the Texans to cover last week because Baltimore was favored by, what, 10? We were like, that's just, that's a lot of points in the NFL. Actually, I think I took Ravens. I don't think, whatever. Um, I, I, I would not be stunned if the Jets salvage this season a little bit right if it's kind of similar to last year but I, it's just such a it's a hard week right like we've seen that you know in different ways in the nfl it's a short week coming off of monday night football they have to travel um and it's not it's like what makes the situation really unique is like it's not just like oh the franchise quarterback got hurt it's like oh the dude that has to replace him is literally the dude that like we all acknowledge sucked and was so bad that we had to replace um so it's it's a tough situation i'm with you it like all day Monday before the game on Monday night, Cowboys fans were like, okay, Sunday was great, but let's do it against Aaron Rodgers. Like there was this high level of hype going into it, especially because he's never lost in that building. Um, and so, yeah, some of the steam was let out. This is CBS's number one game this week. But um, yeah, I'll take Dallas. I'll lay the points. And then the Cowboys visit the Cardinals next week. I mean, it's, it's a strong That's potential start to the season for the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys offensive line is really banged up right now. And that could be a, a big problem in this game because that, that jets pass rush is right. so, so good. So that's something to monitor, but I still think it's an easy Cowboys win. Last one before uh, we kind of get set to tie a bow on this, the commanders are visiting the Broncos uh, Denver, despite losing last week and looking like the same boring lethargic offense. Uh, the Broncos are three and a half point favorites at home. I, don't, I know it's not called Mile High. What's it called? It has a stupid name. What is it? Do you know? Um, I don't remember what it's called. I think called. it's like Bank of America or something, whatever. But um, I'll go first. Look, I don't buy into the Broncos. I'm sorry. I, I'm really not. The, the same way that Cowboys fans hate Josh Allen, they kind of hate Sean Payton because he's basically Mike McCarthy without the recent success. Uh, but he gets treated like he's this like dude who walks on water. I mean, what was there to believe in? with the Broncos last week. The onside kick, which was super cool, was this like really desperate attempt to like remind people how amazing Sean Payton is and how amazing it was that he did it in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to take the commanders, especially if I'm getting points. I mean, I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to take the commanders to get to 2-0. I like the pick um, because I'm rooting for Eric Bieniemy to have success in Washington this season. Uh, right. And I agree with you. Like Sean Payton is, I, I think, one of the most overrated coaches in the Dragon. league. And Denver did not look good in week one. Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson just looks like this is kind of the tail end of his career. And like he's just going to hang around the NFL for a couple more years because he's on a big contract. And he's just going to be a, a totally middling, like 
like average to below average quarterback right He's now. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Yeah, it, it just doesn't look good. And, you know, bringing in Sean Payton was supposed to like improve everything. And it really didn't inspire you in any way in week one. But it's at Denver. Like, I still think their defense is talented and they were having issues generating pressure a little bit last week. But their secondary is still really good. And the commanders, they won against the Cardinals. But like I just said, like that game, it, it didn't inspire me in any way for Washington. It just looked like two bad football teams playing a tight game like we see all the time in the NFL. So I need to see something more from Sam Howell and that Washington offense before I, I'm buying into anything that they're doing. So I'm going to take the Broncos in this one. Who's the better quarterback in this game? Like it, That's a somewhat think, fair I mean, question. I, I mean, still like think it's Russell Wilson. It's but, but like, but the fact that it's not a completely absurd question is yeah. like insane. You know what I mean? Like that really is wild. Um, look, it would be super interesting if the Broncos like showed up and like dropped like you know fifty points or something, even like thirty points. But like, it's just like man, like I actually have come to like resent the Broncos in this era because they're so boring. You know, like I just like it, it annoys me how boring they are. So I would love to see that change. But okay, so we differ there. Uh, we uh, did our same game parlay the Miami Dolphins visiting the New England Patriots. We obviously kind of touched on it, but the Dolphins getting three points. Where are you going, Kirsty? I'm going to take the Dolphins. Um, I, I just think they're the more talented team, but I do think this is going to be a close one. Like, I don't think two is throwing for 460 yards, and I don't think Tyreek Hill is going for 200 plus receiving yards again. I just think. At the end of the day, Mike McDaniel's offense is great, and it, and it's fun to see. And I know Raheem Moster is a little bit banged up, but I think he's just kind of getting some veteran rest. Like, you'd like to see them be able to run the football a little bit more effectively. Uh, Devon A-Chain, their rookie, might be available right. this week. He could be somebody to keep an eye on. Um, but it, at the end of the day, the Patriots' offense just isn't inspiring. And it looked better in week one compared to last season when they had no offensive coordinator and were just <laughs> – trying to figure it out as they went through the season. Uh, now they've got Bill O'Brien. They've got a real offensive coordinator who could actually like dial some things up. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a close football game because I think the Patriots will always play this close in the division. But Miami's just a much more talented team. So I'll take them and the points. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I would sort of enjoy if the Patriots won this game. It'd be nice. It'd that be, would be fun too. It, it would be interesting. Um I mean, I, I hope it's at least an entertaining game. I'll say this. Um, you know what this is like. Um, like, the Chiefs play at noon this week, right? But so, like, um, like the Cowboys play at 3 o'clock. So, you know what it's like when, you, you know, you work the 3 o'clock game and then you got to do all this stuff after. Like, you, you miss, like, the first half of Sunday Night Football. I'm, I'm kind of happy this is the game I'm going to miss the first half of. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, I would be really bummed if, like, the, this was, like, I don't know, um, even like the Monday night game, like Cleveland Pittsburgh, like this is this is a game that you're fine missing the first half of. Is kind of my point, but um, I'll take the Dolphins. Oh. I'll lay the points. I guarantee you this will be a better football game than last week Sunday night. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, there are two Monday night football games, and this is also the case next week, Stephen. So um, I would be fine with this if they were on at separate times. I don't like that they're happening in parallel. That makes it really difficult. Um, on us as football fans, but whatever. Uh, one sentence each. Uh, first up, the New Orleans Saints getting three points, or giving three points, excuse me, in Carolina against the Panthers. I like the Saints' explosive passing attack, and the Panthers did nothing to inspire me uh, with Bryce Young last week. They don't have pass catchers, so I'll take the Saints. The Saints, you're really, you need to tidy up these one sentences. Let's just yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, 
the uh the saints have such an easy schedule this season give me new orleans okay uh now cleveland at pittsburgh uh we talked about this the browns get are giving two and a half points uh pittsburgh on the verge of falling to zero and two which would be pretty disappointing one sentence the browns defensive line is legit i will take them against the steelers the steelers might not make it to above 500 this year wow uh there it is a full week two preview discussion shout out to ryan fitzpatrick for joining us uh steven as we leave before we uh started here i told you i watched pulp fiction for the first time in my life last week i would like you to give us a classic like something you regard you're a movie buff you're a cinephile something that is in that pantheon um that you recommend people to watch if they haven't seen before or maybe to rewatch this weekend if they have seen it before because it's that good so what is that movie what is your selection and why uh, I will go with Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. I think it is one of the most important science fiction movies ever made and it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Good, good.